Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Uh, today, very pleased to have Bill Bennett joining me for the show. How are you, Bill? I'm good, Paul. Fantastic! Great to catch up. It's been uh, it's been a little little while between uh, About six weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah. What's your role within this this great wide world of tech and, and journalism? For those who don't know you, well, I'm a business and technology journalist. Been been doing that for longer than most people listening have been alive, I think. <laughs> um, and um, um, I still do some of that. Still do some tech writing. Still do some technology stuff and so on. But. Um, these days, um, I get dragged into other roles as well, but you know that's still my main, my main tag. That's what I would describe myself as. Great. Well, it's uh, it's it's good to get a chance to jump in, delve into some of the the tech issues yeah. and uh, interesting topics of the, the day. Um, yeah, we have this year been doing a lot of uh, a lot of episodes that are focused on startups and and companies. Um, but I really enjoy it when we get a chance to to sit down and uh, you know delve into what's going on and uh, get get to hear some opinions. I like the business side once the companies are going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you know all of these things are interesting, but one of the uh, so I want to delve into some New Zealand things. So we've we, you know we've had some issues in in uh, in MIQ with people getting places. So I want to talk about that. Can you know yeah. is technology sort of you know helping or hindering that? Uh, a little bit about um, the Hawaii cable, which is is one of our um, you know, very important uh, links for New Zealand to the rest of the world. But that's um, that's been been sold offshore. Is that good, bad? Something we should be uh, we should be worried about. Um, Vocus, so one of the, the show partners, they've been uh, um, acquired on a, you know, I guess on a, on a um, Australia New Zealand basis. But there's there's potentially some changes afoot there. Um, and then on a on a global um, perspective, there's a whole bunch of things that we'll we'll try and get across. Um, things happening in the the autonomous. Uh, car area, that slowly developing area, um, supply chain issues, Intel have had some very big, uh, you know, big announcements out around um, their future, um, and then we've got global chip shortages and um, the cybersecurity supply chain issues related to um, Kaseya. So um, let, let's jump in, you know, first of all on the um these online booking challenges that people have been having, and you know, I had somebody contact me the other day, and they said, you know, Paul, I've I've booked some tickets overseas. I've got you know family member to uh, um, that I you know need need to need to see. We haven't seen them for you know a long period of time, so I booked these tickets. Now, how do I make sure I can get back into the country? Uh, wow. And uh, I mean, whether that's rightly or wrongly the, the way to book your book your tickets. Um, you know, yeah. is it is it is the technology right? And uh, you know, what do you, what do you think we should be doing, Bill? Well, the, the thing is, is first of all, right, you can't get into New Zealand without buying a plane ticket. So there's no reason why we couldn't have integrated this into booking plane tickets and have done with it that way. And that would have, um, you know, certainly made a 
the problem a bit easier. Sounds like a really good suggestion. So what you what you're thinking is that for an airline to be allowed to sell a ticket, it has to have that, a place. That that yeah. goes with a place. Yeah. You buy your ticket, yeah. and your ticket is your way in because they've only made the seat available after That's the, right. the government um, issuing yeah, it. Now um, I don't know how easy that is behind the scenes. Well, the, but to you and I, that sounds pretty pretty uh, pretty exactly. simple for everyone. And the airlines can interface with the uh, booking system. All right, let's do that. How do we yeah. get it done, Bill? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's probably a political issue. Yeah. But the thing is, is booking systems, um, online booking systems, are all a bit crook anyway. I mean, I, I think I was talking earlier about how if you try and buy concert tickets, you know, you see a, there's a band coming to Auckland, you really want to see them, and you say that tickets are going on sale at nine o'clock on Monday morning, and at nine o'clock on Monday morning you log on and it's the site's down, you can't get anywhere, you can't get anywhere, you can't get anywhere. <laughs> Three minutes past nine, all the tickets are sold, right? That's not humans buying tickets off the, off a, web, a website. There's something going on there, and that's pretty much what's happening here. Is there are bots and all kinds of things attacking the um, the actual system that's been set up, and of course we know that there are rat bags who are making a living off of uh, hacking it uh, in, in effect and um, getting grabbing 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 places, places. But, yeah, people that have paid them to put them there exactly, and, so and then they're charging it and they're making money out of that, and that's well, well. The prime minister tells us that's categorically not happening. Was kind of the the interview I saw. So I mean, but uh, you know, I guess that's Look, sort of politics sometimes, isn't it? You maybe don't you don't you don't necessarily want to say that something you know well, could, could be happening. It's a little bit like last year with the masks. You know, we were we were told for you know weeks on end. No, no, don't wear a mask. No, no, nobody should be wearing a mask because there weren't enough masks to go around, and that would have created havoc in society. Well, it, and then you know, that, yeah. That but the other thing, changed. the other thing is, is that the politicians are only good as their advisors as well, and and they might be getting, they can be getting poor advice. I don't think it's, I, I actually don't think it is that this is a political problem because I can't imagine that another political leadership would have would. You know, wouldn't face exactly the same problems. I mean, if we want, if if you they want, all want a great result. Well, right? look, look. I mean, you know, can you remember what happened with the teachers' pay system when that was privatised? You know, that was yeah. done by the previous government. Yeah, it's this is it's not about the politicians. It's about governments and systems and things. And there's always a bit of a mismatch somewhere in the in the mix. Well, it takes time to get things done, right? Yeah, and it does. look, we saw that with the. Um, you know, NZ COVID tracer app. Oh. You know, it came out. It wasn't. It wasn't quite right to you know start with, no. um, but it got a lot better, but and it got a lot better quite nothing, quickly. Nothing, but no, no one uses it now. Is the problem nothing that was be, has been made by Google or Microsoft or Oracle or any or SAP has ever worked first time? You know, it just doesn't. It, you have to wait till you're on version three point one. Yeah, so yeah. when we get to MIQ bookings three point one, it'll yeah, yeah. work. Then we'll then we'll be there. <laughs> yeah, there'll be yeah. lottery system. There'll be this and that. Yeah, but, or it'll be linked back to. But the, I do the, think the, it needs the, fixing. Uh, I mean, it's the tickets. Yeah, I, I think it needs. I think it does need attention and fixing now. And I think that that the thinking behind having that booking system was probably, you know, how are we going to solve this? What can we do? These are our options. And they did something. And right. look, they didn't have much time, right? No. You just you, you have to do something. No. You can't just well, leave it free for all G- for people to turn up in the country. I think Gmail was in beta for ten years. <laughs> you know, you can't do that when you've got a pandemic to yeah. to um, deal with. So um, so I, look, I think the I think it was a very quick fix it was quick and dirty and it turns out it was a bit too dirty and so we need to think again that's what i reckon we should pull it apart and it might be it would probably be better to 
as I say, get the airlines involved and do it that way. But if you're not going to do that, then at least allow everyone who wants to come back to de- to get onto a list and it's a wait list or whatever. And you know, pull the numbers out by lottery or whatever. But do something so that people are not well, so that you don't. What you don't want is you don't want it to be whoever pays the most gets in. And that's and that's what it looks like it could be at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe that's what would happen if it was linked back to the airline tickets. Who knows? Anyway, yeah. well, um, but, you know, you know, the Wallabies didn't have any trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, now the Hawaii cable, with the, you know, the, the, this was really exciting. We've um, yeah, the last few yeah. years in terms of yeah, um, yeah internet. Connectivity to New Zealand, undersea, fibre optic cables. You know, we're we're streets ahead of where we were, just what four or five years yep. ago. When did our first um, you oh. know one come in to augment the Southern Cross cable, which is is now you know around twenty about five 20, years ago, 20, yeah. 20, 21, 22 years old now. Well, the first um, one was the Transman Tasman Global Access, the one which it was, was the first uh, of the new ones, right? Yeah, the new one which just goes across to Sydney, and then there was this one, um, and of course Southern Cross is building a new cable as well at the moment. So you know, there's plenty of activity. But here's the thing, right? Southern Cross is no longer majority owned by New Zealand um, companies. Percent um, for, from Spark, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Spark still has it, but Spark's it's not. A, Spark's probably you know a certain percentage of Spark is held overseas as well. Um, and Southern Cross, uh, which you know, so Southern Cross is not necessarily completely owned by New Zealand interests. Um, Hawaii will not be owned by New Zealand interests, but as this sale goes through, I don't think it's been had regulatory approval yet, but I can't see that being denied. Yeah, I'm curious how 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 that works, and uh, you know, we're probably not going to figure this out today, but how the regulatory um, you know framework works for an undersea cable that links up New Zealand, Australia, bunch of Pacific Islands. Well, um, you can't you know, argue that and, it's not and, strategic, and can the you? US, right? <laughs> um, it's yeah. really important, but it's really important to all of those yeah. all of those countries. Yeah. So, you know, how do you decide what's an appropriate ownership? Now, going to Singapore in ownership, uh, which sounds okay, but you know, could it get on sold to someone else? I remember when yeah. we were, you know, the 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 um, I think it was a Hawaii cable actually in terms of you know potential investors. And um, no, you're thinking of Pacific Fiber. Ah, oh, the Pacific Fiber one. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're yeah. right. And um, the Chinese wanted to invest, and that yeah. got and that and the that Americans pushed back, have, right? Well, the Americans would have pulled the plug on the project. They wouldn't have let it land. Yeah. But now it's landed. Could you know? Could could a cable end up? Um, you know, in, in yeah. the hands of well, um, someone, someone somewhere could be playing three dimensional chess with this sort of you know strategically. But I don't think so. I think I think the problem is more that we don't have that control. And we don't really know very much about this Singaporean company that's bought it either. They're, they're not, a, they're not a, a telco. They're not a telecommunications business. They're a construction company, which is, um, you know, curious because around the rest of the world, what's been happening with the – I mean, I don't know. I don't, submarine cables is a, is a whole world of its own. But what's actually been going on in submarine cables globally in the last 
three or four years is the likes of Facebook, Google, Microsoft and so on have been buying up and building their own cables. Yeah, they, they want to make sure everything's going to work well for, yeah. for their businesses. Exactly. They can't afford to put them at risk. Absolutely. And, they, and they've been buying huge, uh, you know, large shares in their remaining ones around the world. And, and, and they're booking out like large amounts of space on cables and so mm, on mm. because they want to prioritise their traffic going around the place. Um, I mean, Amazon are in this as well. So I guess that the um, – I guess that there's – obviously the, the Singaporean company has um, has a plan in place for what it wants – why it would want such a cable. Mm. You've got to remember this cable doesn't go anywhere near Singapore. I mean, it goes from here across to America. Singapore's the other way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one, the, one of the news articles I, um, I, I read on it, um, you know, it says being bought by – BW Group, but then it clarifies it's BW Group subsidiary called BW Digital. Yeah. So you know, of course, you go away and you do it, and you Google BW Digital, and and uh, you know, all the 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 top story that's well, the top stories are um, you know to do with the the news thing, and then your first entry is bwdigital.io, which is um, a company that talks about facial recognition and other digital bits and pieces, software development. Uh, Mexico and the US, so clearly, uh, clearly not not the same entity. So they don't appear to have a, you know, a, a, um, you know, breakdown. I guess it's a it's a holding company that hold you know holds a number of, uh, you know, assets for right. uh, for for the parent uh, company. Yeah, and I, and and I very briefly tried to figure out who owns this company, and I haven't haven't got there yet. I mean, I'll I'll, have, I'll need some time to dig around to find that out. But you know, we could find out. That is ultimately owned by someone else, completely different. They uh, they control uh, four hundred ships. ICRNZ uh, reporting. So, um, but uh, I mean the the area of who maintains these cables is actually a very specialist area. So I wouldn't imagine so there's going to be does, there's going to be any yeah. crossover there. So um, yeah, quite. Uh, um, quite a change, but it would yeah it'd be nice to to understand uh, you know just how that plays out and um, how they they decide whether that these sort of things get well, uh, get the big tick. And the other thing you just want to watch is whether the prices go up because you know it, that that it, we could be being we're not going to be held to ransom because there's another cable, but yeah. it 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 could be a play just to squeeze us on price. Let's hope not, Bill. Let's yeah. hope not. We uh, we like having our unlimited internet in New Zealand now that we've mo- you know most most of us have it, and for so long we didn't. And well, we're kind of used to it, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> but but you look to the US, and uh, you know, and the there you've got scenarios where um, folks that used to have unlimited and uncapped internet uh, don't necessarily have it. In well, all cases, so. I spent a lot of time recently on Zoom calls with people in Australia. And I'm I, I'm just going to divert, get away from the subject a bit here. But my word, they have some bloody awful broadband <laughs> connectivity coming out of Australia. Yes, that's uh, that's that's definitely another yeah. another rabbit hole. Um, but we'll we'll leave the Australians to their internet. Some of them have good internet, and yeah. It's getting better now. Um, Vocus um, Group has, uh, <laughs> has has sold. Aus- yeah. You know, Australian um, based company. What do you know about that? Because this, you you follow these things a bit more deeply than me. I know you've had a lot on your plate. But, oh, um, look, I, I, you know, I, 
I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I did. I was. I was well on top of that. Three point five billion Australian. Yeah. Um, I know for a dollar, long time. dollar sale. It was. It was. Um, it was Australian gas and light were after him for a while as well, but that right. fell through. I mean, the thing is, is this? This was about the fourth time that someone had actually got to the point of buying, um, and the previous three fell over at that sort of that stage when they'd made the offers and so on. Um, this time has gone through. Um, the real issue is what's going to happen here. I think is is that the talk is is that the I mean the local business has been up for sale for some time now. It was it was always on the the agenda with the previous um, focus to sell off the New Zealand business, but that kept that kept getting put aside because they had bigger fish to fry, which is actually selling the entire mm, business. Mm, mm. Um, but now it looks very much as though the focus is going to come back on selling focus in New Zealand. And that's going to be interesting because we're already been told that there's an IPO coming for two degrees as well. Yeah, so both of them could... Uh... Yeah, now, two years ago, three years ago, you'd think, oh, yeah, telco IPO, that would be really worth thinking about in terms of you know investing your own money. Now we've got Starlink and you know, other things going on. I'm just thinking it's... It, the landscape's changing quite fast. It's actually, um, you know, it's very fast moving. What's happening? I mean, we haven't, but what we haven't seen in New Zealand, we haven't seen this, the UFB project and separating Chorus and um, Telecom from Telecom happened. What about twelve years ago? Now that was first pushed mm. um, by that government uh, by the key government twelve yep. years ago. Yep. Since then, the market share of the big players hasn't really changed very much in the market. Um, and I think we're about to, to go into a phase now where we will see some change there. We possibly see some kind of consolidation. Um, and we, we have a point where we've got four big players in the market, which is um, Spark, Vodafone, um, Two Degrees, and Vocus. They're the four big ones. Could could you imagine Vocus and Two Degrees? Uh, that's the most likely. I don't think I don't think either Vodafone or Spark would be allowed to buy um, either of those companies. Um, and it's clear that Chorus isn't allowed to buy anything because you know that's been discussed before. It wasn't it wasn't possible. So that's how um, that's how consolidation could work. The other thing is, is that TrustPower's been in play recently, and they sold off their customer business too. And TrustPower was owned by Infratil, which is the ultimate owner of Vodafone. And I always thought that 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 was, you know, that could have become some kind of um, consolidation right. of those businesses there. So, but whatever whatever's going on, I think we're going to see some gyrations. In the shape of our market um, over the over the coming, probably over the coming year. Yeah. Oh well, interesting times ahead. Now looking uh, looking internationally, um, we had this uh, big cybersecurity incident where uh, Kaseya um, were hit with this uh, supply chain attack. So uh, effectively, their software, which yeah, sits on a lot of computers around New Zealand and around the world, oh. you know, it sits on devices there to actually help keep them secure, to maintain them and wow. and support them. We had that, uh, you know, um, a, you know, similar issue la- last last year um, with 
the other software vendor whose name's popped out of my head. Well, I was going to say, it's, it's very meta because the thing about Casino is that, is that their customers are managed software providers and managed service providers That's and it. so on. Yeah. So, um, so it's a very sort of meta problem, if you like. It's, it's you know, they've gone right up the food chain with that. Um, it, but the good, the good news is that um, for those who were maybe, you know, stuck from that incident, yeah. um, that Kaseya now, you know, have been distributing a tool to, you know, unencrypt data. We are, we are what, a few weeks down the track. Um, interesting piece that wasn't initially revealed is that Kaseya are saying they didn't pay? Yeah. Well, the head the headline in Bloomberg says Kaseya says it didn't pay a ransom um, to to hackers, um, and exactly what um, you know what that means behind the scene. And they say, look, not you know directly or indirectly, um, but. Yeah, it's a little it's a little bit hard to know the full them? details and Do you believe um, them, Paul? Ooh, um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not going to make a I'm not going to make a call on that one, Bill. But there, I mean, certainly, yeah, the, the the speculation, you know, some of the speculation behind the scenes was, yes, you know, a, a you know a payment's been made uh, directly. Seem you know seemed the most likely. Yeah. Um, it, the thing is with ransomware, if a payment is not made, then you expect data to get leaked. That's yeah. the sort of the normal scenario. But my impression, and it's a, you know I haven't been following this one closely the last you know last few weeks, but my recollection was that this all moved quite quickly, yeah. and I don't recall that there was actually data sort of siphoned out of organisations. No. Like with the Waikato DHB, yeah, yeah, data was siphoned out and then it became clear of a ransomware attack. They said, we're not paying the money and it was after that point that, you know, the confidential data was was leaked and that's, you know, kind of a, a, a common scenario. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, I mean, I think, I think what's going to happen is that... Um, we're gonna we're gonna have to deal with ransomware on like a world level. Um, you know, we're gonna need some kind of task force globally to deal with it um, because it's becoming a serious problem. But there's like the the UN. Well, the, no decisions ever get made. Well, no, no, no. Not, I, no, I don't know about the UN, but you know. what? But but some, but something. It, it's a global problem. It is, and the it problem is. is is that there's still a suspicion that some nation states are involved in it. Uh, yeah, when it, you've got sort of certain state yeah. actors that aren't necessarily yeah. behaving themselves. Um, yeah, I mean the whole thing is is very challenging. You know, I don't imagine we're going to have a um, probably a perfect fix. Certainly not anytime soon. Um, well, it yeah, if, if ever. But we will, we we will see. Um. <laughs> well, the, the other thing is, is, is you know, the lesson is just to be even more paranoid about your data than you have been. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm afraid you're right. There's, there's certainly an as, an aspect um, there, and. You know, I think now when when you know people are considering whether they should have cyber insurance compared to you know two or three years ago when it was unusual yeah. for data to get leaked, uh, you know now you've got that extra thing to consider, and that's really what your insurance covers you for is it 
dramatically reduces the chance if you're able to make a payout of stopping the the data that you know getting leaked. Now it's no guarantees. We all we all know that, right? You you know yeah. you're paying a ransom. Um, you know there's good good luck, but um, there's an aspect where these en- these entities um, you know they want to keep getting paid. So um, um, so there's a level to which they uh, they behave themselves in their uh, criminal activities. Uh, well, uh, yeah, and I also think there's I mean there's just no excuse for not going to all to every level that you can to protect yourself against this now. I mean, it's just you can't claim you don't know about it. It's, it's an issue. Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting one because I mean, there are endless levels <laughs> to which you can go to, and it's. And it, I, you know, I think I was looking, looking at, and and you know, talking to a few folks around you know, some of the aspects of, of what happened, um, you know, with the Waikato DHB, and you know, you you've got challenges with, you know, outdated technology. You've got challenges with how much budget's available. I saw the other day it looked like they were advertising for their first uh, chief information security officer. Um, you know, there's there's. There's a, a lot of things that take time and, and they and, take money and, and resources. And people to handle those jobs either. That's that's the other side. Mm. That's the other side of it. But you know, we were talking. We were talking about the ironic. The irony of this is is that it hit it hit managed service providers and managed security service providers is a fast growing sector. So mm. um, look. I, I think the thing is, we're just going to have to spend more and more time on security, and I think we're going to have to deal with this. It's mm. criminal. I mean, there, there was talk in the US um, about um, actually regarding it as an act of war if mm. a foreign state mm. actor is involved in in a ransomware attack, if it, if it can be proved. Mm. Um, I think that's probably you know a bit uh, going a bit far, but mm. um, but the th- it certainly seems that as an issue, it's getting out of hand. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent sure actually about that chief information security officer role for Waikato DHB. I'm pretty sure that was a new role, but um, you know, if I'm if I'm wrong, ap- apologies on that one. Um, yeah, so I think there, yeah, we could probably do a whole episode sort of delving into uh, these supply chain issues and um, you know, say a situation and. Um, and other ones, but it does change how we how we think about these things. And and as you say, um, you know there is a real need to step up, and it's in lots and lots of different areas. And you know we can't sort of sit still on this stuff. We 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 have to you know keep the movement going. Now I wanted to jump on um, to the global uh, chip shortage. That's that's uh, you know really impacting a lot. Um, Billions of dollars worth of impact on the on the auto industry in terms of vehicles that just you know can't be delivered. Some of them are you know partly manufacturing, uh, partly manufactured, um, but without chips can't be uh, can't be completed. Um, I saw one of the uh, the auto industry bosses um, said that it takes eighteen months to re-engineer a vehicle to use a different chip, um, and the comment was due to the sophistication of the. Uh, the the technology. So this was sort of you know one of the one of the quotes, um, yeah that the media have been uh, been been carrying. Um, yeah, Daimler and and Mercedes Benz have built vehicles without um, um, the chips, and so they've basically got to put them aside until the silicon arrives. Um, but there was a, a headline 
that was fascinating for Tesla, um, which says they have rewritten their own software um, to work around the um, the chip shortage. So they were able to substitute and swap out uh, chips, and they had to rewrite their firmware to do so. And they've just done that well, on on the fly. So it sort of sh- it shows, you know, what we've we've talked about before the sort of you know difference between. You know, Tesla's you know approach, which is trying to do as much as they possibly can, um, you know, in house, and then the traditional you know automakers that I think are trying to get onto the same page. Um, but it's you know it's it's a big it's a big job for them to you know emulate the the, the Tesla approach in a it's, way. What do you think? It's, it's not the only challenge they face at the moment because there's I mean the big challenge is is that the idea that at some point we're going to stop making internal combustion engines. And that's whatever date that happens, that's going to affect the resale market, and it's that's going to affect the new market and so yep. on, and, it's, yep. and, it's, and it has implications there. The um, the other part of it is is that um, I I, I worry about the fact that they all seem to need to use custom chips for everything. Whereas you know the a smarter approach might have been to go for more generic. Processes, um, and um, you know, maybe forego some of the nuances of having custom-made chips. Custom-made chips is a very expensive um, and difficult route to go down. Perhaps, I mean, I'm I'm no expert on how to integrate technology, you know, this kind of technology into a car. But it just strikes me that they've 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 attempted to build cathedrals, and they should be building, you know, like local dairies if you like um, and I, th- I think that's part of the problem is that the car industry thinks in a completely different way I mean I, a few years ago I was I was hearing that it, it takes something like four years from a car to get from the drawing board out onto the street and well, it, used to, it used to take a lot longer yeah. I remember a visit with Ford uh, might have been one of the ones in uh, in Australia and they're you know, running through because the, the thing I would always challenge them with when they would invite me to a, an event or ask questions about, they'd be showing off some new in-dash you know, entertainment technology and apps and different things. And uh, you know, I remember seeing it in the US and I said, this is fantastic. When do we get that in New Zealand? Oh, well, by the time we were, you know, that's going to be a couple of years. What about upgrading what's in your existing car? Oh no! This you know we don't we wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, you know you you buy the new car and you get the new technology. Yeah, yeah. You know, and here we are. You know, seeing Tesla who you know continuous software updates. I got a, a new but, uh, entertainment thing last week. Um, and if you've got an old car that's a few years old, in a lot of cases they will let you. And they're doing this in New Zealand right now. You can swap out the entertainment system. Yeah. You can swap out the chips. That's because, and there are reasonable because, upgrades. That's because Tesla views the car market. More like, um, more like the electronics market. More like the digital electronics market. That's how they. That's their worldview. Then it's it's one of the reasons why the company's been so successful. It's also one of the reasons why the company. I mean, like people really don't know if it's going to be successful long term. It, it, it might not because we don't know that stuff. It's it's uh, they're they're actually moving into whole new areas of how to go about this. Um, and it, it could be that the old guys had it right all along. I don't think so, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it just doesn't mean that the new guys have got it necessarily 
you know necessarily heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Tesla certainly but, you know got their challenges and scaling but, up and so but on. But look, if you were building, if you were, if you were a global scale manufacturer of laptops, right? You're, you know, you're HP, and you go to Foxconn or whatever to get your, your your laptops made, right? You have options all the way through, so that if things don't turn up in your supply chain, you know, we don't get the right hard drives, we don't get the right this, we don't get the right that. We can still build laptops. Yep, you've got right? other products. That's how it works in the electronics business. Yeah, the car industry doesn't think that way. I mean, it's not so long ago. I mean. Within our lifetimes, these things were entirely vertically integrated to the point, to a ridiculous degree, um, and they still don't sort of modularize and, and you know enough. Um, but anyway, I think the car industry is in kind of dire straits. Anyway, full stop. Um, and I think this is like you know, getting a sickness when there's actually an underlying disease. Well, my my view for for a while is that Tesla have. And if you were to go by the share price, you would think this is or this had already happened. Um, Tesla have that opportunity to be, um, you know, the the new Toyota, right? The the the, the company that well, everyone goes to to buy their car. The prices will you know will yeah. come down. They'll become accessible um, when the market is, you know, primarily or only selling electric vehicles, um, and you've got a choice between you know a Tesla and. You know all the all the traditional companies. Yeah. Now people are still making these decisions today to buy other cars. I had you know, a friend come in here who's you know formerly in the in the in the tech sector, um, and he said, "Oh, I've got the uh, Audi." You know, um, I can't remember what it was, but you know the um, the Audi electric vehicle um, on order. He says, "Oh, I may never get it because of you know all their issues with getting the parts." And why are you buying an old school car that by the you know the moment you get it, its technology is going to be out of date rather than buying a Tesla and it's twice the price. Um, but um, you know, there and there are there are good reasons why people make these decisions. But you know, the way I, I view it, I think that's uh, you know that's it doesn't doesn't line up with my thinking. Put it that way. But so I think Tesla have that opportunity. We'll see how it plays out. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that they're the new Toyota because Toyota is probably the company which is most out of touch at the moment with what's going on. <laughs> and 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 you know, and, and they're okay with the hybrids, but they don't yeah. have any full. But but know, here's the reason why they're vehicles. out of touch, right? It's because they were so hugely successful in the last era, mm. and we've seen this happen in tech. You know, you're really successful in the last era. IBM was successful in. You know, the, well, the last three or four eras, really, but they didn't make it into. I mean, they still exist, but they haven't been successful in the cloud era because they're still fighting the last war. Mm. And I think Toyota is still fighting the last war because that that worked for them. That worked for them for so long, and everything in that business yep. is geared up for that. Um, I think the real issue is they're going to be um, some fresh startups um, in the in the vehicle sector. Um, that, that could turn it on its head even more, and I think that well, Rivians are being tested tested in New Zealand uh, at the moment, uh, in the in the South Island. Who is? The uh, Rivian, which is the uh, uh, the Utes and um, yeah, well, you know the yeah. the um, okay. uh, four four wheel drive vehicles, and yeah. I mean they've got Amazon behind them and Ford behind them. Billion, I think they just announced another two hundred and fifty uh, two point five yeah, billion. Do you know something? The fact that they've investment. got Amazon and Ford behind them worries me because I, I <laughs> because I think that's 
back to the st- they're still fighting the old wars. Right, right. I th- you know, and that's that was the that was why Tesla. Someone's got to fund them, I suppose. But that's why Tesla did what it did is because it it was it because um, it, as a company, it decided it wasn't going to fight the old wars, and I think mm-hmm. that that's where the new the new car or the new vehicle companies are going to come from. Mm. Is they're going to come from left field? I bet you they don't come from the US. I bet yeah. you they don't. Well, Ch- China, China has, has certainly, uh, you know, you need to be watching what's going yeah, on in China with, you know, BYD and so on. Yeah. Um, and because they've got such a big domestic market, that sort of, you know, that pays for their yeah. research and development. And, of course, I mean, we look at the Chinese cars coming into the New Zealand market, putting Tesla aside for a minute because Tesla's, all the Teslas coming into New Zealand are made in China yeah. uh, now, but um, although their prices dropped with with the subsidies by about twenty five percent on the you know the Model Three, um, but you know the other ones they're dramatically cheaper than the other options in the uh, in the market, and uh, I, you know you you got to imagine they're uh, they're not complete rubbish. Yeah, I, I think so, and I, I also think that um, this is a market where, yeah, I mean. For a long time, Japan's been a bit out of the picture, but I think Japan could probably um, shine in this market too. I don't know if they got their research right, though. Well, we will see how yeah. that plays out. Um, now, I saw, saw some uh, news coverage of um, um, Ford together with Argo um, AI um, working to deploy autonomous, uh, a sort of autonomous vehicle fleet with Lyft in the US, and of course, you know, Lyft is the, the primary rival to Uber in the US uh, market, um, and looks like they're going to, you know, slowly roll out. They'll end up, um, uh, I'm not sure the exact timeline, but a thousand robo robo taxis um, in, in the next few years ahead into the US market, um, starting with um, Miami. Um, uh, this year, and then um, Austin, Texas, uh, next year. So we're sort of we're still seeing this movement with well, these robo well, taxis. I, I, I'm, I'm going to come back to that point in a moment, but I want to ask you something um, before we get to that. Um, what level of autonomy are we talking about? Well, that's the um, that's always the the million million dollar question. To start with, they're going to have somebody sitting yeah. in the driver's seat. Um, and you know, I guess there's there's that you know, how do you get from, you know, where we are now to fully autonomous? And uh, you know, we've of course seen that go wrong, but we see things go wrong with drivers and driver seats uh, as it as it is today. But it's like that. It's, it's like an asymptotic curve where you never actually hit the you know the the goal of fully autonomous. I think that's been the problem. I mean, and, and the thing is, see what you were just saying about Lyft doing this and Ford's. You know, it's been five years we've had these kind of stories about very soon we're going to have autonomous cars. Absolutely, it just keeps going, doesn't it? Yeah, and and, um, I've told this story on the podcast before, right? In 1982, I was told in two years' time, no one will use a keyboard, you will just talk to your computer. It took 30 years. But in 1982, it looked like it was just around the corner. It looked like we were almost at that point. And in fact, it took three or four revolutions in technology for it to become even possible. We, we needed 
scattmal storage mm. and you and you actually didn't get proper understanding of human speech until the until devices could report back to base and it's still pretty stuffed yeah, in many ways yeah and it's it? still like, not it's still not really, brilliant yeah. realistically yeah. the number of issues and errors and and, and, so on. and we're in exactly that place with the car industry and um you know we were talking a bit earlier about being futurists and so on and i think the problem with I'm not, and this is not a criticism of you, Paul. This is this is my, my criticism in general. The problem is, is that you can become so in love with the future that you you become blind to you know what's actually immediately in front of you, rather than what's out there, you know, a few years out. And it doesn't it doesn't happen evenly, and you know you can't draw a straight line projection from here to there. It's going to be bumpy and, and so on. And Agreed. The, yeah. And the car industry is that it's a you know the whole idea of autonomous cars. I think the first time I wrote a magazine feature on autonomous cars was about seven years ago. Mm. Yeah, and um, it just was still not much closer than we were seven years ago. And in fact, a lot of the um, research projects have been wound down and the money's come out of the, mm. the sector. Um, that doesn't mean to say we won't get there, but um, it probably requires a a shift that we can't, you know, when I say we, I mean all of us can't see today in the same way that machine translation of, you know, understanding human speech actually required um, very good communications links so that things could get back to, could so that devices that were doing the understanding could report back to base and say here I've just heard this what does this mean you know um, and that yet no one in 1982 ever thought that was necessary they thought that it would be able to be yeah, done locally just, yeah, yeah. and I think it's the same thing with cars I think there's a there's a missing part of missing piece of the jigsaw and it's probably down the back of the sofa you know and it's you know, <laughs> you know and when we found that piece of the jigsaw it'll yeah. all snap into place yeah. but yeah. but but, but we, no one knows what that piece is even yeah look i mean it it's uh, it's something i think elon musk recently had you know admitted because they you know they delayed this uh launch of their they call it their F fsd beta 9 which was sort of you know opening up this Update to a you know a bigger group of people in yeah. the in the US, which you know in a lot of cases can some drive somebody from A to B with um, you know without an intervention necessarily. Um, but you know he admitted like oh yeah this stuff's this stuff's a lot harder than I thought right yeah. and um, and yeah that that that's the reality. But I, I do think it is important that we are always sort of looking out oh, as yeah, well yeah. as you know you got you you, oh. you you can't close your eyes to the you know to the here and now. But you know we have to look out, and some of those things will happen. You know, a lot further out than we think. Some of them yeah. will happen sooner. Um, some of them we've got to get out and create them, and, uh, and think, you know, th those opportunities are there. And I think the other, the other, the other, other part of that is is that some sectors of society, um, well, you know, you've seen what we've 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 seen what happens with you know vaccinations and pandemics and so on. That certain sectors of society. Are not thinking in the same place as yeah, other. Some people love it. Some people just right. you know don't right. don't aren't, aren't interested, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think the same. I think the same thing will apply. I think the same thing applies to aspects of AI, and I think the same thing applies to aspects of um, autonomous vehicles. And it, it's quite possible that you know, two years from now, you'll see Spanish farmers blockading streets because there's autonomous vehicles running running around. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's the society has to move as well as the technology. Yeah. And I think I think society isn't quite ready for this yet. I, don't, I can't I can't put my finger on it. 
But I think even if even if tomorrow Tesla had all the right bits in place, just wait till the first kid gets run over by an autonomous car and it's all bets are off, you know. So I, it's not just about the technology. It's also about getting society. Um, so you've got to get more ducks in a row than just chips. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, lastly, I wanted to delve into uh, into in, Intel. Now, you know, uh, most of us for for a long time have relied on Intel technology in our primary computers, right? That's uh, that's how the world's been. But what what changed? Um, you know, I don't know how many years we're, we're looking back to where where it started becoming evident, but iPhone, um, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah. in, you know, in the, in, in the last fifteen years or so, the ARM, you know, based chips really started changing the world. And Intel, you know, tried to get their chips into mobile phones, into tablets, and so on. They tried to, you know, bring down the power usage. But you know, as, as we've seen with um, you know, using the new iPad Pro. Um, I'm using an Intel MacBook uh, Pro at the moment, but you know, regularly been using the um, I've got the M1, uh, the yeah. M1 based yeah. Yeah. Um, device um, and reviewing that. And yeah, we've we've got this world that's that's changing. Microsoft are, are, oh. are trying to change to you know ARM based within you know for their uh, you know some of their Surface products and so on. Um, the world is going through this this big change, but we have the big headline today. Um, or you know, a few headlines actually around uh, um, you know Intel um, really getting back into a dominant position um, mid twenty twenties twenty twenty five four nanometer three nanometer and then fractions of a nanometer style chip and you know this is how we've measured the uh, uh, you know the, the the technology in terms of how how small we can. Uh, you know, shrink shrink down the, um, okay, the circuits, was, isn't it? If I was the CEO of Intel, I'd be saying all that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know if I could do it, but I'd be saying all of that. And well, I think, I guess, it depends how how he's uh, rewarded, yeah. which is often linked back to um, to sheer price and profitability. Yeah, and all these things help, don't they? He'll probably be gone. He'll probably be out of the job by the time the the actual. You know, results. This is no, but that that but that's that sort of level of that sort of yep. level of cynicism. Aside. I think the problem is, is that um, if you go back, if you go back to around about the time the iPhone was introduced, mm-hmm. um, both Intel and Microsoft were actually they they have been in. The, it's, it's, we were talking about this earlier. You know how they've been they've been at the top of it for so long, mm-hmm. and it was so easy to make money that they thought everything they were doing was right, and it didn't occur. To them. It was even more apparent with BlackBerry. I mean, if you, before the iPhone, BlackBerry just looked to be on top of the world, and it collapsed within a you know, matter of four or five years. Mm. It was mm-hmm. and it was gone. Um, Intel and um, Microsoft had so much more momentum, and something happened at Microsoft where they you know basically booted Baumer out and got uh, Nadella in, and and he fixed it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Intel didn't fix it, and and the thing was is that Intel was still fighting. You know, the, the generals of Intel were still fighting the last war at the time when they shouldn't have been, and they were getting further and further behind. And all this time, you know, the the chip the uh, chip fab plants in um, East Asia were gearing up. The real problem we have today, actually, is so much of it is dependent on Taiwan, and you know, Taiwan is not one hundred percent. 
safe place to live right now. So, um, so there's a there's a huge problem there. But what's interesting is is that if you look at the, what's what Intel's strategy is now. Intel's trying to become like the Taiwanese microcomputer semiconductor company. You know, they're, they're actually becoming a chip fab, uh, they're, and they're being they're becoming a fab plant for Amazon and so on. Well, there there, there is something to be said for the timing, right? Yeah. Because there aren't enough plants at the moment, yeah. so someone's got to jump in and do it. Will we get the scenario? And maybe what they're trying to do with their big announcements is to scare others off from from investing. Yeah. Right, so if they make enough noise and go in, and maybe there is enough of a uh, of a gap because plants were were closed down yeah. during during COVID, and that's why we've got these ship shortages. Maybe they can do it, but I mean, looking at their their plan, they they've, they've only just sort of reached a point where their ten nanometer you know chips are. Uh, I think they're making maybe more than they are of the um, seven the. the was it the thirteen or fourteen uh, yeah. nanometer nanometer chips? They're saying um, they're about to move into doing seven nanometer yeah. chips, and then they're talking sort of mid next year for four nanometer, uh, and then mid twenty twenty three down to three nanometer, um, and then it, and then you know go, going down from there. Um, I mean, they talked for years about you know. 10 nanometer and uh, now you know they're what about five years behind yeah. suddenly they're going to accelerate so how do they do that can they make acquisitions well do they have the R&D capability to do it I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna you expect me to say something controversial. <laughs> you, you, you know it's coming right but I think right that where they're wrong and it's going back to that fighting the last battle they're still thinking in terms of that the nanometers is the important thing, and it's not the important thing. It it really isn't. It's the designs that are the important thing. So you can have a you know you can have a crap design on a small number of nanometers, and it's still a crap design. And that's the problem that I think in I think Intel's thinking is still that they they still thinking like they're the big company that leads the world in this stuff, and that we we you know. I've I've worked for companies before which have had glorious pasts, and people in the company say, "Of course we will succeed because we are X, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and our name matters." Yeah. It doesn't. People for, people <laughs> forget <laughs> that, you know. Yeah. And and um, uh, the other thing, I, the other thing, I, I'm just going to, you know, before I turn my rant mode off here, <laughs> is that for the last few days I've been looking at. I, I, I'll talk about it perhaps another time, but I've been looking at a nice laptop from a company that used to make really nice laptops and it's an okay laptop but it's a Windows 10 laptop with a i7 chip and it just feels old fashioned it doesn't feel a little bit old fashioned it feels like the last generation uh, it's nice I mean I, w- I would actually recommend people who are in a particular space would buy this machine but it feels old compared with my M1 MacBook Air. It just feels like it's it's possibly more than a generation behind. <laughs> and, and and that's where Intel are. That's 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 got Intel's best um, consumer chip in it at the moment. It's an i7 mm. you know processor. It's the best. It's, and it's. I've got an i9 in this one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, but you know my my point yeah, is, yeah, is no, that I get it. It's I get a it. it's. They're fighting the last mm-hmm. war. Intel are Intel are um, 
bit. Yeah, well, let's see whether they can come back. But yeah. uh, I look, I, I, what I like to see is competition. No, you know, I, absolutely. I, I yeah. love to see them focusing on, you know, some what I would say are some, some pretty big, hairy, audacious goals. Um, I I mean, the, the time frame just looks, looks you know, nuts, but let's yeah. let's see how it plays out. Um, we have run out of time, Bill. I've, there was more that we, we would, would have liked to have um, gone into, but we are out of time. A big thank you to our to our show partners, uh, Vocus, Vodafone, uh, Spark, uh, Datacom, uh, Palo Alto Networks, um, HP, uh, Gorilla Technology and Umbrella Connect. So a big thank you to them. Bill, where do people keep it up with uh, with what you're up to? I uh, have my own website, which is billbennett.co.nz. And um, you can tell just how busy I am with work by how much is going up. There's not a lot at the moment. Right, you haven't had too um, much. But that should, that should change again. Um, I'm on Twitter as BillBennettNZ. And that's about it at the moment. That's um, great. I'm still... You can still find me in the newspaper, but I'm not writing much about tech there. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time to um, you know come and and share your opinions, which are always fantastic. So <laughs> thank you, um, and uh, and and always very well informed. So uh, much appreciated, and thank you everyone for listening in. We will be back again uh, on the next episode, and we will see you again next week. Catch you then. Thanks everyone. Good. New Zealand's tech podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.